And to recap, we're going to start in Daniel chapter 1. I'm just going to kind of read through my notes here. I'm going to kind of go through chapter by chapter. But in chapter 1, Nebuchadnezzar, pretty famous name in the Bible, he's king of Babylon. And he goes and he takes uh, Judah captive. And the capital of Judah is Jerusalem. So he goes, he's a new king. It's his first year of reign. He goes to Judah and he uh, captures the city. And while he's there, he also takes uh, several vessels in the temple and brings that back to Babylon. When he gets back to Babylon, he tells one of his servants, says, hey, go out and get me the, the best looking Jews, being the strongest, the the, the best looking, the, um, the ones with influence, the ones that are smartest, what, whatever he meant by that. And so the servant goes out and gathers up several of these uh, Jews, and among them are Daniel, and then you know their names as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their, their Hebrew names is Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, but we mainly know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He goes out. And he gathers up all these Jews, and among them are these, these four men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, here's what we're going to do. The, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, wants to bring y'all before him. And what, what they did, in, and you saw this a lot in different um, ancient civilizations, when, when a ruler wants to spread his kingdom and they go capture a new city, a new land, Instead of sometimes they did turn them into their own slaves, but they want to incorporate them into their uh, lifestyle and to make their kingdom bigger and bigger. So that's uh, why they changed their names. Was one thing is to change their names to try to incorporate them into their way of life. Um, but then they, the reason the king wanted these uh, the quote unquote best Jews, best Hebrews before him is he was going to put them in a prominent place. And then other Jews, other Hebrews would follow them and, and enlarge his kingdom is what he's trying to do in, in a peaceful way. He's trying, if that makes sense. But So Nebuchadnezzar's servant gathered all these uh, Hebrews up and he said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put you on the king's diet. It's going to be the very best stuff to make you the strongest, the best looking. But if you go back and read in the Old Testament, there's different dietary laws that Jews had to follow. And this would have broken their dietary laws. In, in Daniel chapter 1, uh, Daniel says, chapter 1 verse 8 says, And Daniel purposed, purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. What happens here is Daniel goes back and forth with the servant, and the servant says, Look, if you guys don't eat this meat, because Daniel's idea was just to eat vegetables and water, and the servant said, if you, if you guys don't eat this meat and don't look strong before the king, the king's going to kill me. And Daniel and him goes back and forth, and they agree upon a 10-day trial. At the end of the trial, the uh, four uh, Hebrew children, uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, look better than everybody else. So um, that's chapter 1. Chapter 2, you get into Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. I'm not going to go into the whole dream here, but... He has a dream, and he wants to have it interpreted. But there's a big catch. Has anybody ever had a dream, and then when you wake up, you remember it, but if you don't tell somebody or you don't um, say it out loud, it, it leaves your mind like in 30 minutes, and you cannot. You know you had a dream, but you cannot remember it. This has happened to me before, but this was what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He, he had a dream, and he can't remember it, so he gathers up all of his uh, wise men, and he gathers them all up, and he says... Look, guys, I had a dream. I want y'all to interpret it, but I don't remember it. And all of his wise men were like, 
king, we, we can't do that. Nobody can do that. And so King, being a very reasonable man, King Nebuchadnezzar said, fine, I'm going to kill all of you because you can't uh, tell me uh, the interpretation of my dream. So King Nebuchadnezzar sends out people to gather up all these wise men, and Daniel would fall into this group. And the reason Daniel would fall into this group is chapter 1, verse 17. It says, And for these four children, talking about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God gave them knowledge and skills in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So Daniel would fall into this group. And so men went out there, servants of the king, Nebuchadnezzar went out there to, uh, to, to get Daniel and to basically to kill him. Uh, when they go out there to grab Daniel, Daniel says, wait, what's going on? The, uh, the, the guards, the servants, they make it known to him that the king wants this dream interpreted. Daniel says, okay, I can interpret it. He goes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, asks them to pray about it, and the, the dream is revealed unto Daniel. Daniel goes before the king and interprets it. Uh, upon this, Daniel is moved up in ranking in the kingdom uh, along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Chapter 3 is a pretty famous passage. Chapter 3 is, you don't find Daniel in chapter 3, but you find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, Nebuchadnezzar decides, once again, just being a reasonable king, he's going to make an image, and he said, a golden image, and he says, I'm going to take this around to all the villages in my kingdom, and every, I'm going to play all these instruments, and when you, when you hear all these instruments, you're going to bow and worship this golden image. And uh, if you don't, I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not do this, and they are thrown into a fiery furnace. Uh, as probably most of y'all know the story, um, but then the king says, whoa, whoa, I thought we put three guys in there in the fire. And his servants say, yes, Lord, we put three men in there. He says, but I see four. And, and um, there's some, I'm not going to get into the whole controversy. Some people believe that it was a pre-incarnate of Jesus Christ. Some people believe it was an angel. But God sent somebody to save the three Hebrew children. And they did not burn alive. They came, they came out of the fire. And the fire did not hurt them. Chapter 4 Nebuchadnezzar, again, he has a dream, and he wants it interpreted. Um, Daniel interprets the dream, because uh, nobody else could, and uh, it doesn't end so well for Nebuchadnezzar here. Nebuchadnezzar kind of, he's driven from his kingdom then, or from, from the, his palace at least, and he, he pretty much, he goes crazy. Uh, that, that's the only way it, it, it describes the, um, he, he grew his um, hair out like the uh, feathers of eagles and his nails like the uh, claws of birds uh, said that he ate the grass like oxen. He, he went pretty crazy. Um, but at the end, and, th and this is uh, something I find pretty interesting here, um, and it's worth mentioning while I'm going through this, I thought. But we also see what I believe, and some people will debate this, but you see Nebuchadnezzar's salvation. I believe that one day I will get to meet Nebuchadnezzar in heaven, and you know I'm not going to debate anybody if, if they want, you know, I, I'm not going to break fellowship over anybody if they want to think different. But you see Nebuchadnezzar's salvation in chapter 4, verse 34, I believe. It, it says, And at the end of the days, uh, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. So he was kind of in some kind of crazy state. But it says that his understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High with a capital H, 
And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is, uh, is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Uh, you know, I never really thought of that until uh, one of my professors in Bible college pointed that out to me. But I want to I do this real quick. And it's kind of the progression of Nebuchadnezzar. This, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar, he was, he was a nut job. I don't know how else to really describe it. The guy was just, Amen. he was crazy. But, okay, Nebuchadnezzar, chapter 2, verse 47. This was right after Daniel interprets the first dream. It says, And the king answered Daniel and said, Of a truth it is, your God is a God, capital G, of God's lowercase g's, and a Lord of kings. So, he knows that there's something special about this um, Hebrew God. And then again, in uh, chapter 3, verse 29, this is right after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fiery furnace and are, are not hurt. Uh, 329, it says, uh, this is Nebuchadnezzar, he says, Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, and their house shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Talking about a God that can deliver people out of fire. And then you have what I believe is his salvation there in, in chapter 4, verse 34. But um, chapter 5, and we're, we're almost to the lesson today. And my, I don't have a long lesson, so that's kind of what I want to recap to put all this into... Um, into a timeline to understand it. But chapter 5, Nebuchadnezzar passes off the scene. His son, uh, Belshazzar, is king. And um, he's, a, he's a younger king. Um, and so what does he decide to do? He decides to throw a party. And he throws a party, has all these people there, and, and they're drinking wine. And he gets a great idea that he's going to take these vessels that I mentioned earlier that his father, Nebuchadnezzar, took out of the temple when they captured uh, Jerusalem and he's like, let's fill these up with wine and drink them. And so they do this, and um, uh, and then they're praising their pagan gods, the gods of stone and gold and silver and all this. And all of a sudden, uh, a finger comes out and writes on the wall. And obviously he's terrified, as anybody would be, and he's terrified, and he wants somebody to interpret it. And so once again, Daniel's the only one that can interpret this. And... Uh, because of Daniel's interpreting it, we're going to skip over all that, but he is um, promoted in the kingdom for the interpretation. Then Belshazzar passes away. Chapter 6, just about where, where our passage is now. Chapter 6, we have Dari uh, Darius is king, and he likes Daniel. He, he favors Daniel. In fact, he makes Daniel second in command of all the nation there. But the people under Daniel were jealous of this. They did not like this fact that Daniel was over him. So in the first few verses of chapter 6, 1 through 9, they come up with this idea to go to King Darius. And he says, King, let's make this law where nobody can pray to anybody and ask anything, any god, unless they come and pray to you. And the king said, well, that's a great idea. I can show everybody that I can take care of everyone's needs. That's a wonderful idea. And so, it's signed into law for, for uh, 30 days. There's going to be a 30-day period where nobody can pray to anybody except go to uh, Darius, King Darius. So that's where we're at. 
In verse 10, what we already read, but that's where, that's where we're at right now. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God, before his God, as he did aforetime. So the first point I want to make here is Daniel was informed. Daniel was informed. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, being informed, to try to apply it to our day and time, being informed is very important. It, it, you know, God has given us a brain to reason, to know right from wrong, to, to look at a situation, to know, you know, different consequences that could uh, elude from each, whichever path we take. God's given us a brain to reason through these things. And so it's important to, to be informed. I, I think it's important to be informed. I think God wants us to be informed. That's why he, made a, he gave us the ability to reason. Um, being informed is very important in our everyday life. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a quote out there, and I believe it. I don't know where it originated from, but knowledge is power. The, the more knowledge you have, the more power you're going to have. You can apply that to any situation in life. But God wants us to stay informed to an extent. And I think I didn't really talk to Miss Lana about the, the lesson I was teaching, but she talked about how um, she can be overwhelmed by just watching, especially during politics. She always gets overwhelmed in watching politics for some reason. And, you know, this right now this is like prime politics time with the presidential election coming up, but you don't really hear, you hear a little bit about it, but you don't hear, you know, coronavirus overtakes 90% of the media, it seems like. And so there comes to a point where being informed is a hindrance, where, where it consumes you. There's plenty of people out there trying to inform you. You know, just ask anybody. They'll give you the, your opinion, their opinion. Uh, I found this verse in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 15. It says, Gold there is, and rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. I thought that was an awesome verse for, for what I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make here. We must be aware of who is trying to inform us. Uh, to go back to the passage here, and hypothetically, if Daniel never, you know, if Daniel was never informed on on the the law that was signed that nobody could pray, would it really change the story? Y'all probably know the story, Daniel. To kind of give you the overrun, Daniel goes ahead and prays as we read there in verse ten. He's he's thrown. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that originally is uh, the penalty for breaking this law, as they mentioned, is to be thrown into a den of lions. Again, these these ancient people, I don't know how they just, you know, let's throw them in a den of lions. That sounds like a good penalty. But um, anyways, that was the penalty for breaking this law that King Darius signed. And so King Darius, liking Daniel, was very upset when he learned, that, learned this and... Um, that Daniel was going to be thrown into a den of lions. But to fast forward to the end real quick, Daniel is, is saved. He, 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 an angel comes into the den of lions and holds the, the lion's mouth shut where, where they can't bite him, and he's not hurt. He's, he spends the night in the den with them, but he's not hurt. But um, so if Daniel was never informed about the, uh, the law, would it really have changed the outcome of the story? I, Probably not. Probably not. But it's still worth uh, mentioning. I think it's still a valid point to being informed, especially in this time and age that we're in. But being informed, Daniel was informed. 
And then, next point, Daniel went on with his life. And then this is like the, this is what I want y'all to, to get. I want you to grab the application from this right here. Daniel went on with his life. After, after Daniel learns of this law uh, and, the, and the, the penalty of it, of breaking the law is death, he went on with his life as he always did. Let's read verse 10 one more time. It says, Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber uh, towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime, as he's always done is what it's saying there. Daniel found out about this law that, that he's gonna, that would affect his daily life, and yet he goes on with his life as he did always, as he did aforetime. Um, so just stop for a second and put yourself in Daniel's shoes. Try, uh, really think about this. If you were in Daniel's shoes and, and these men came to you and said, Hey, Daniel, did you hear about the new law? No, what? Uh, the king, King uh, Darius, just signed into law that if you pray to any god or anybody other than him, you're going to be thrown into a den of lions. Put yourself in, in, in Daniel's shoes. What would you have done? Would you say, okay, wow, okay. And you'd go in, maybe you would shut the windows and, and you'd still pray. Or maybe you just wouldn't risk it at all and you just wouldn't pray at all. Or maybe you'd be like Daniel and just pray openly with your, with your windows open where people can see you. I don't know. I, it's just something to, to hypothetically think about. How would you have responded? This is kind of how I think Daniel would have, you know, in my mind, this is how my mind works, but I, I think Daniel would have responded like this. When, when whoever came and told him about the new law, I kind of think in my mind, Daniel's like, hmm, okay. And he just walks into his house, opens up his windows, and he starts praying. That's just kind of what I think, but it, it, there's... We don't have exactly exactly how it happens, but we know that Daniel carried on with his life as he did aforetime. Uh, Daniel had had a faith because knowing breaking this law would would end up him being in a den of lions. He had a faith. He he had a faith that I think you see in chapter three of Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, chapter three, verse seventeen. This was before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are put into the fiery furnace. But the, um, the king's telling him, hey, y'all are going to have to bow down. King Nebuchadnezzar tells them to bow down before this golden image. This is their response in verse 17, chapter 3, 17. says, if it, be so, oh, or if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. So they say, God's able to deliver us. But they say on the other hand, in verse 18, but if it be not... Be it known unto thee, O king, that, that we will not serve thy God, nor worship the golden image which is set, uh, which thou hast set up. So what the three Hebrews there are saying is like, either way, God's going to save us, or he's not going to save us, but no way are we going to bow down and worship um, your golden image. I mean, that is, that's faith, because that, that's their life right there. That, that's, that could be the end of their life, and as they knew it, it could have been. But God came in and saved them. So here's the application I want you to take away from this. And I still have one more short point after this. But when Daniel's situation changed, Daniel was able to pray to his God three times a day uh, openly or how, however he wanted to. 
But his situation changed because of a law that King Darius signed into. When Daniel's situation changed, his faith did not change. I want you, I want you to understand that. When, when Daniel's situation changed, his faith did not change. We, to apply that to us today, and this is what I want you to get, we're in a new situation. We've never been in a situation like this before. Um, you know, the, we can talk about stock market. We can talk about job security. We can talk about our way of life. And all these things have changed. I don't have just a ton of money in my 401k, but I decided to look at it for whatever reason about a month ago, and I've lost a lot of money. And just in, in, in a very short, because I just looked at the... Uh, of this uh, of this year so far and you know I, I can get discouraged about that or I can just continue on with my life as as I know I should be now God again God's given us a brain to reason to think through things and to make uh, good choices but the point of the matter is is that we're all in a new situation that we've never been in before we've never had this this way of life our way of life um, interrupted like this before and, and it, so it's very different to us. But just because of our situation has changed, our faith in God should not change. God is still the same as he was in 2019, as he is in 2020, and he's still going to be the same God in 2021. The same God that, that, that we talk about here with Daniel is the same exact God that I serve and that you serve. The... God changes not, and, and you know Bo quoted that that verse, and and Pastor was right how how he quoted it, but and we we for whatever reason we had to work a lot to to get that, but Bowen um he's a blessing he's a blessing, but God does not change just because our situations have changed, and hopefully our way of life is starting to to we're passing the curve and we're trying to get life back to normal. But many things have changed, you know, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get in the whole political thing, but many things have changed, and, and, um, but God, God is not. Last, last point I want to make here is the outcome of Daniel's faith, and we see that in verse 23, chapter 6, verse 23. So King Darius uh, didn't want Daniel to go into the den of lions. He didn't. He didn't think this all the way through, and he didn't want because Daniel was his friend. He didn't want Daniel to go into the den of lions. The Bible says that uh, Darius couldn't sleep all night. He gets up early in the morning and he runs to the den of lions to see if Daniel's still there. He yells at Daniel, "Daniel, are you okay?" Verse twenty-three, chapter six, verse twenty-three. Uh, then was the king exceedingly glad for him. And commanded that they should uh, take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him. And the reasoning is because he believed in his God. So my question to you is, do you still believe in the God and your God in this time of uncertainty? Has, has your God changed or something because the God I serve is still the same exact God yes we're in different times now we're in different situations now but it's still the same God God is God he's he he this the coronavirus did not catch God off off guard he knew this was coming God is still God on the mountaintops and in the valley one of my favorite verses I want to read this and then we'll be done uh, verse it, it's a passage here but Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 and through 16 
It says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We as Christians are tasked with sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, being a light unto people. That, that is what our task is that we are set for. And, you know, there's times that you're on a mountaintop and it's easy to be a light when you're on a mountaintop. It's very easy for people to see you. Uh, if you just think about this, a, a city, like the Bible says, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. A city that's up on a hill, it's easy to see. But if a city's in a valley, if, if you are in a valley in your life, wh whether it's your 401k, whether it's your job situation, whether, you know, whether it's your marriage or health or whatever it is, if you're in a valley and you still want, and hopefully you still want to fulfill the Great Commission, fulfill what we are told to do to be a light, then you're going to have to shine twice as bright for people to see you. If, if you think about this, in a valley, light's hard to get out of the valley, but if it's a bright enough light and it shines out, people can tell something's going on in that valley. So I hope that's an encouragement to you uh, this evening, is the fact that God does not change just because your situation changes. Daniel's situation changed, but he still served the same exact God, and God delivered him out of the den of lions. I'm going to pray and uh, hand it back over to Pastor here in a minute, but or right after I'm done praying, so let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we come to you this evening, and we are grateful, we are thankful for this.